This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey guys, Ostrom Homesteady here. Last month, myself, my family, accountant Mike and his wife headed off to Rhode Island. And we took our yearly trip to go fishing in the saltwater ponds and uh, try to catch some striped bass and some flounder, and it was a great time. While we were on vacation, we did something historically huge. That is, if you're a big Homesteady fan. Uh, We had our first Homesteady live podcast episode. This live event was a special event where we invited the Homesteady pioneers to join us, and we invited all of you to submit questions for this live event, and we went through as many questions as we could. Today's episode, you're going to hear this live recording. Myself and Accountant Mike sat down. Accountant Mike's wife, Leanna, was our guest producer for the night, and she helped us go through all the questions that we could that night. Lots of you submitted questions. We couldn't get to all of them, but don't worry. That just means we have to do this again. If you think this sounds like a lot of fun and you want to join us for the next time we do it, head on over to thisishomesteady.com and become a pioneer, and you'll be invited to join us for the next live Q&A. And in the meantime, you can enjoy all the Pioneers Only podcasts and weekly videos that are there on the website. There's a whole lot of extra content. And now here is Homesteady Live, the first and certainly not the last. A brief note for anyone who is a new listener, this is nothing like our usual show. Our usual show is a highly edited, storytelling, story-weaving podcast in the vein of This American Life done by someone who raises pigs. So go and check out one of our other episodes before you listen to this one. If you're not a new listener, then, well, enjoy the live Q&A. You're going to get to see the unfiltered, raw accountant Mike tonight. Especially writing for his most, most especially. <laughs> no, I will be. I will be extra nice tonight. I think we're ready. Uh, shall we? Uh, shall we pour yeah. ourselves a drink here and get started with our first Homesteady Live episode? Sure. I didn't even cue up theme music. We could hum it. <laughs> when the road gets rocky, there we go. Make Homesteady. That's perfect. 
So tonight is a kind of remarkable night, guys. You're you're not even pouring on camera, bro. Come on. Well, that's what the monitors. We'll do for. the refill on camera. There we go. <laughs> Which one's mine? Wait, they're exactly the same. Tonight is our first live episode, Ever. and we're really excited. A lot of you guys are our pioneers who are here live, and we want to thank you guys so much for supporting the show. And this is really kind of exciting because if this goes well tonight, uh, maybe we'll make it like a quarter. A regular thing. thing? I don't know about regular, but like maybe every quarter we'll celebrate with the I live think show. That, I think that qualifies as regular. Yeah. I think regular is just like repeating on a schedule. Is that how that so, works? So if you say <laughs> quarterly, I think that, I'm pretty sure that qualifies. All right, that works for me. <laughs> Let me, um, the one thing I want all you guys to know before we get started, we are going to have a, a little bit of time where some of you have already sent us questions. Uh, Cameron, I'm looking at you, buddy. If you've sent us questions and you He's would actually like... looking at a camera. That's true. And you would like to read them aloud on the show, we would really like to have you do that. Because we can totally figure out how to do that. Yeah, we can. I'm pretty confident. Probably. So if you want to, if any of you want to ask a question throughout the night, you don't have to read it aloud. Put it in the chat box. And our uh, producer here is going to be filtering questions uh, we're not going to get to everybody's question tonight uh, within tonight's we're gonna do an hour-long episode uh, but we're gonna try to get to the the, the our we're gonna get to a lot of good questions I'll put it that way politically correct it's about the only thing tonight that's gonna be politically correct <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> all right shall we get started yeah I think we're already started You're I feel here. like there should be a sound effect or a sweeper but this is live this is how we roll. Yeah, I don't know. We have no nothing. I, I don't know. Here we go. Bottoms up. Here we go. That's Well, not bottoms up. Easy does it now, soldier. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight we're drinking, if any of you are joining us for the the drinking scotch together, we're having a 18-year Glenfiddich. I am not a scotch drinker. That's his fault. It's good. It's a expensive. I'm, he told me he had some extra money, so I <laughs> told him how to help him. <laughs> I help him spend it. <laughs> I hope you guys pour yourself a nice drink, whatever it is, and uh, get ready for a very interesting experience. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to promise. Yeah. We're going to turn it over to our producer. You're not going to be able to see her tonight. At the end, we'll have a quick, uh, we'll have we her can do a quick cameo wave. She's sitting with her hands folded on a table. She's wearing large black hats. And she's giving her husband a glare. <laughs> so we it's better It's a small stop. glare, though. I'm not really in trouble yet. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's right. roll. You ready? Go. Yep. Okay, so our first question comes from Pawn, and it's for Austin. Was there an event or a series of events that started you down this path? All right. So this was, uh, I've been reading the questions all week, and I was excited about this one. Why don't I, I don't get to read the questions. Well, we had to have a little bit of element of surprise. <laughs> so, Pawn, what started me down this path? It depends on how far back you want to go, and I, we've already told... I've told a lot of the one side of the story, which was that me and my wife had our baby boy and we wanted to feed him better quality food and we were pretty broke and we couldn't do that by going to the farmer's market and buying it. Uh, so we decided to do a lot of it ourselves. But I think the real place this all kind of begins, that part of the story has been told. I'd like to throw a different angle on that story tonight. Uh, it really goes all the way back to my wife. Because she's the reason that we're homesteading at all. I was a surfer guy. Uh, we're actually this the, tonight. We're in our offsite location. You guys have heard us talk about our Rhode Island location. Offsite location. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, 
We're at our uh, our yes. bunker in Rhode Island. <laughs> we're we're Super enjoying secure, some time, as you can see, fishing for stripers on the back pond here, yeah. and the surfing this week has been incredible quality surf. Uh, but I haven't surfed at all because I used to be a surfer and I used to have that kind of um, energy and time, and that was my that was my number one thing: surfing and playing guitar. Me and Mike, you know, play music, which we've talked about. When I met my wife, we met through music. Uh, she came over one night with a friend to work on a music project. She was recording, and she plays piano. And uh, Kendra comes from a farm. She grew up. Her dad had a big orchard. Uh, they had goats. They had chickens. Her aunts across the the uh, across the border Wait. had a bunch of sheep and a bunch of goats, guineas, chickens. So this was just her. She really had a passion for this. And when we decided we were going to get our property because we wanted our son to have a you know outdoorsy life like she did, uh, I was very geared towards let's have a hunting property because uh, I liked I already was hunting. That was the first way we decided to you know eat a little bit better was well I could go out and hunt. Uh, she wanted chickens, six chickens was all she wanted, and I was like, all right, yeah, that's fine. I don't really feel like taking care of animals, but. You know, six chickens isn't a big deal. So there was a friend that I, I had who was a farmer. I said, hey, can I buy some of your chickens? And we went over to his farm. And he said, here's the new chickens. They're like 20 bucks a pop. And they're ready to go laying good eggs. And here's my old hens. And you can have those for like $6. And I can't guarantee you they're going to lay or not. And so I said, let's do halvesies. We got a couple primo models. We got a couple oldies. And those six hens just, they often call chicken the gateway animal. They just opened up everything. We got really involved with them. It was a lot of fun. I have pictures of my son uh, with us prepping the coop. And he's, before the chickens got in there, he's playing in the shavings and everything. And uh, they, we named the chickens. We got attached to them. And before you know it, the chickens turned into pigs, which turned into goats. And now this. So it really all started with, Meeting my wife and her influence, you know, her growing up with the farm. She got away from it for a while, but she had it in her and she wanted that for our son. And it kind of came full circle. And then here we are. <laughs> Seems like six is a common thread. We have Amanda who's joined us live, says six chickens is how it started for us too. Oh. And Red Barn Heidi who says she has six new chicks. Oh. Wow. That's pretty, I just got goosebumps. Be warned. <laughs> this is what happens. You get six chickens like a cute little summer project and, and then, then before you know it you're making your own shirts. And then this happens. With ducks on them. And... We'll get to that later. Oh. But, I, um. Be warned. Yes. Six chickens. Gateway. You're in trouble, guys. Issues. I hope you got a little bit more property. <laughs> All right. So next we have a question from Jeff and Emily. It's for Austin again. How many acres of land would I need to have to run a successful homestead? Perfect. When I can hunt, possibly fish, grow a garden, and have a small to medium sized and have small to medium sized animals that are mostly raised on grass. Awesome question. Speaking of having more land, um, this is a question I actually get. A lot. A few different people wrote this question in a different way in. And this is one of those funny ones because, Captain Mike, you can chime in anytime here. It's probably a principle that you see in a different world. Um, it's not really about what you have for land. Right. 
it's more about how you use it, how, how you, you allocate it. it. <laughs> and the truth of it is, like, I realize this question was directed at Austin, but I will jump in and say, like, it all it all depends on what you define to be a successful homestead. Like, if successful is growing all of your food, 100% of your food all year round, then you're going to need a lot of land. But if successful is growing 50 to 75% of your food during the summer, then you need a lot less land in order to do that. So that's what I will say. That's my two cents. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's how you're using the productivity. So we have 10 acres and... Honestly, I've said this before on the show, we're really using right now to the, we're using maybe three. And that includes the amount of space I use for hunting too. We have a 10 acre piece of property, a good solid acre is being used up by livestock right now for their permanent grounds, right? So for their runs. And that's where they have access every day. And I use a paddock system. So I have a permanent paddock for the goats and the sheep, and I have a permanent paddock for the pigs. And then I have a paddock where I let them in and out each day if I can't monitor them on the rest of the property where they can go and have fresh grass. And that's about an acre. Then I also have a garden area and I have the hunting area. And we have some areas we've planted for food plots, which is a technique to pull deer onto the property, uh, which is that's probably another acre. So, you know, to some extent, we're using maybe four acres, and we do free-range animals quite a bit when I'm able to sit outside and keep an eye on things. We have about half the property with a hard perimeter fence, and so we're often able to just open the doors and let the animals go. But even doing that, we are not using up 10 acres. So what are we getting from those four acres that we are using, and really those three or two acres that we're using heavily? Well, we're doing all our meat. We don't buy meat. And one of my biggest bits of advice to people who say, hey, I want to become totally self-sufficient. I don't want to go to the store anymore. First bit of advice is don't make that your goal because that's really, really hard. Instead, look at a percentage and say, how much of my entire grocery bill can I chip away at? And it's as simple as just looking at your plate. So nowadays they say your plate's supposed to be... They got rid of the food pyramid, right? Yeah, yeah. That and Pluto. Pyramid. No, Pluto's coming back, dude. Good. All right, good. Pluto's coming back. I saw a thing on the internet that said the Pluto... Leanna sent me a thing on the internet that said (laughs) that Pluto is probably making a comeback. And I am glad about that, for one. Yeah. Because they demoted it to, like, a rock. Like, it's not even, like, a lesser... It wasn't even a lesser (laughs) planet or something. It was just, like, a rock. Which was not cool. How degrading! Yeah, no, you gotta keep Pluto. Anyway, so Pluto's coming back. So Pluto and the food... Well, the food pyramid's gone. And now they say your plate's supposed to be in thirds, right? You're the numbers guy. Is it thirds? Sure. You want this much of the plate, vegetables, this much of the plate... Something else. 50% vegetables, 25% healthy carbs, whole grains, 25% protein. So that's like thirds, except with different numbers. On my plate, it's more like (laughs) that, but with meat as the 50%. (laughs) So look at your plate and say, what on this plate, what percentage of this plate could I actually become more sufficient in or completely self-sufficient? Yeah. And for me, it was meat. Because we had the space to have some animals, we were able to raise... Two pigs for a family of our size will last you the year for your, you know, your pork. And then goat is a delicious meat. If you have dairy goats and you have some bucks, well, they go into the freezer. 
Sheep is also an excellent choice and a great way to mow your lawn at the same time. Uh, so those key animals. Then with hunting, I'm able to get one or two deer each year. Uh, that's fresh venison. That, that totally takes care of the red meat. Honestly, when it comes to grass-fed red meat, I prefer venison over most grass-fed beef pretty much across the board. Um, so we were able to completely wipe out our meat purchasing completely. And that means if it's if it's 40% of your plate each meal, you've just wiped out 40% of your grocery bill by doing it becoming self-sufficient in that way. So if you have a, if you have a couple acres, if you had one or two acres, you could with chickens, I forgot to mention chickens in there. Oh yeah. Chickens are a big one. We do like 50 meat birds every year. And if you think about it, one chicken per week for my family, 50 birds. So 50 chickens, one goat, one sheep, two pigs, two deer. My family eats meat and shares it with our friends. How do you think I pay my accountant? Uh, we're good year, year round like that. So that would be where I would start. Now, for those of you who don't have the room for animals, maybe not the room for that many animals. Maybe you could have a few chickens, maybe rabbits. Rabbits are a really good, sure. easy, small protein. Ducks also. Um, for those of you though, who couldn't do the meat side of things, or maybe you're not, you're not able to handle that yet or ever. Um, for those of you who are on that end of the spectrum, maybe a garden, again, it goes to how are you working that land? How are you producing on that land? I have seen some small scale gardens that are incredibly productive that are way smaller than the gardens I have. So our first year we set up a garden that was probably a quarter acre garden. It was, it was really huge and it produced awful because I'm really bad with vegetables. Whereas Aaron Von Frank, our friend over at Grow Journey, uh, and our sponsor for this live show, um, <laughs> see how I worked that in we there, guys. We should say that, yeah. Oh, all right. Special was, shout out to Grow Journey. That's one of two. Okay. Oh, um, nice. So Aaron and his wife Susan, <laughs> they have a they have a quarter of an acre in garden, and they say in the summertime they're getting seventy five percent of all their food from that quarter acre. Because they're doing really intensive management. So boiled down, the real message here is don't worry so much about the amount of land. I love having land. The most you can afford, go for it. But honestly, you're not going to be able to work a lot of land really well, especially at first. At first, like I have 10 acres. I've been there now five years and I've expanded to using heavily using two or three and then lightly using maybe four four or five of the acres there's a solid five that i haven't touched yet other than my free range chickens running through there from time to time uh as far as uh maybe this would be a good spot for you to chime in trying to figure out how much acreage they could afford any advice there Captain Mike? uh i don't know it, it just goes down to I would say, so I'm a little different than Austin, I would say if you have more acreage and you're going into this kind of lifestyle, that's great, but don't think that just because, if you can get a place with one acre, fine. Just know that going in and plan accordingly. Um, like, I would not say, don't move out into the middle of nowhere because you can get 30 acres 
if you don't want to live in the middle of nowhere. Like, if you can live relatively close to where you want and you can get an acre or an acre and a half or two, like, that's okay. You can really do a lot with that, especially if you're careful. So, Austin sounds like the more land, the better, but, like, don't go move into the middle of nowhere. Jeez, people, come on. I think about uh, anyway. <laughs> Shannon from our uh, our class back in yeah in uh, January. We did the uh, homesteady business class, and uh, one of the students she, she had a very small amount of land, very small amount very of land small. in California, where yeah. land is super expensive. Yeah, and they were doing aquaponics. Yeah, because it was really intensive. You could get you could get protein in the fish. Yeah, and you could get plants on the surface. So. Looking into systems like permaculture, which they refer to it as stacking functions, taking one square foot of space and using that vertically and, you know, using up all the whole square foot and then just keep growing square foot by square foot. It's really more about your productivity and your management practices. So focus on yourself. Focus on Mike's advice is good. Smaller is is a good way to start. If you're able to buy 100 acres tomorrow, if you're able to do that, do that, and then just focus on one yeah. and grow. You're going to be much better off if you get rid of that goal, that literally that dream of like total self-sufficiency. The people you see on TV who are doing it are probably not doing it. They probably have a, a business that's giving them tons of money every day, and then they can spend all day you know, doing the other things you're seeing on those wild Alaska shows. Uh, instead, just look at... What percentage can I be totally self-sufficient, totally, you know, sustainable? And then grow that every year. Look at better ways to grow that. Yeah. Cool. All right. So next up, we have a question sent in from Mallory. She sent it, though, for her 10-year-old son, who is also named Austin. Oh. Yeah. And it seems that she told (laughs) Austin that uh, he can have pigs in a few years. So he's trying to get ready now. That a boy. And he wants to know what uh, breeds of pigs are best to start with. And also if you have any other tips on getting started raising pigs. Okay. Fat ones. (laughs) Yeah, that's good advice. So Austin, (laughs) he's he's 10. 10. I love that, man. 10-year-old boy who's ready to get his pigs. Uh, my son is six, and he's already talking about wanting to get his own suckling pig. Uh, so I, that's great to hear, Austin. Keep it up, buddy. I would say my favorite breed of pig, the breed that we raise at our farm, is a cross uh, between a land race and a Yorkshire. Now, it's not necessarily my favorite breed because of the breed itself. Uh, it's my favorite because I have a local farmer who every year... I can ask him for a certain number. I can get that number, you know, hands down every time I get what I ask for. They're good quality. They're friendly. I don't worry about these pigs, you know, hurting me or hurting one of my family members. Uh, So I know this is a good breeder. I know that he breeds for a certain, you know, uh, purpose, a good... He breeds down to uh, cleanliness. He wants to find the moms that are more clean and that are friendly. So... I wouldn't focus so much on the breed. What I would focus on more is, can you find a breeder of pigs who you really trust? Is there some farmer who's been doing it a long time? Sometimes you'll find them on Craigslist. I found mine just by asking around. I said, I asked farms and uh, sometimes your, your local colleges, if there's agricultural colleges nearby, uh, they might have a good lead for you. Uh, say, do you know anybody who's doing pigs? And then ask them some questions. Uh, 
you know, what are you breeding for? What are the goals of your herd? If they don't have anything they're breeding for specifically, maybe they're more new at it. Ask them about temperament. Um, find out, and mostly you're just trying to feel, does this individual really know what they're doing? Or are they just trying to get rid of some, some pigs because they're in over their head and they bred too many? <laughs> so if you find a breeder that you feel really knows what they're doing and has a purpose, they're worth paying a little bit extra for. Um, if you can't find that, and all you can find is a bunch of people on Craigslist who have pigs for sale and you just have to go off the breeds, uh, then what I would say, the Yorkshire Landrace Cross is a great pig. They're the pink pig. Sometimes people diss the pink pigs because they're, they're the commercial cross. They grow really good. They love being outside. They do excellent on grass. And they, generally speaking, have a nicer temperament. Uh, so don't listen to naysayers who say those are, you know, oh, those... CAFO pigs are not good pigs. I love those pigs. I have raised Berkshires. I have raised Hampshires, uh, Tamworths. All three of those more, uh, what's the word? This is our first, first editable moment of the night that I'm not going to be able to edit in the live show. I don't know. I don't know what you're driving at. Pigs. What's the word, guys? Anybody in live show? They are the... Pigs. Not Trifecta. the commercial breed. They are the... Retail breed. No. Non-commercial breed. Relative <laughs> breed. Free-spirited breed. Hold on. Lively breeds. No. It's a kind of... Um, Other breed, Brett says. Traditional Mainstay. breed. Heritage! Leo! Heritage! Ten Yay. points to Leo! Oh, we have a point <laughs> system also, now. Oh, yeah, I better pay delicious. attention. Heritage. Okay, so thank you, Leo. Normally we edit these moments out. Uh, so heritage breed pigs, you'll hear a lot of people really promoting the heritage breeds. There are reasons to focus on heritage breeds, but your first time you do pigs as a, you know, maybe 12 year old or 13 year old, wherever, you, whenever you get to that point, Austin, uh, or later is fine too. Yeah. Uh, don't focus on heritage breeds for your first time out the gate. Once you become a pig whisperer where you know pigs and you understand what you're up against, then you can get into those heritage breeds and then you can really make a difference because there are some rarer breeds that need to be nurtured along. And there are farmers in my area who are really good at that. Uh, so I, I've been able to see both ends of the spectrum. But find yourself a breeder who you can trust, someone who will take some time with you, making sure that you're doing it right, uh, that you understand what you're getting into. And also know that pigs do get to be very large. Uh, so... You know, it's going to be something you want to make sure you're, as a younger guy, wanting to do with an adult. You're never going to want to be in your pig pen by yourself because pigs are big and uh, even really friendly pigs can wind up hurting you, you know, moving around and chasing after food. My pigs become incredibly friendly, but when they see me with that bucket of feed, they come running. Uh, so just make sure whatever you're doing, buddy, make sure you got somebody big with you. It can help you out if the big pigs get a little excited. But I think that's awesome think the fact that we have a 10 year old writing in asking about pigs is incredible that's so. terrifying <laughs> <laughs> but okay all right big question done hey guys it's Aust sitting in the studio before we go on with the q a i just wanted to take a moment to tell you about our friends our partners Premier One Supplies. If you're thinking about getting pigs and pasturing them, then you're going to need to fence them in. 
For a long time, I was really scared of doing movable electric fencing. I actually had some of it in a shed and I didn't take it out for like a year because I just was afraid it was going to be complicated and I wouldn't know how to do it. And then I did an interview with Stephanie from Premiere One, which you guys will get to hear next month, all about fencing and how to do it the right way and how to do solar movable electric netting fencing. This is a great way to fence in pigs or sheep or goats or any other livestock, chickens, you name it. And I have to say this week I actually set it up for the first time. It was not nearly as difficult as I thought it was going to be. The setup itself was pretty easy, but I did have a little bit of trouble once I turned it on. It wasn't working and I couldn't figure out why. And it was Saturday morning, right? You'd think it being Saturday, I'd be up a creek, right? No, Premiere One has people working on Saturdays so that guys like you and me who have to do this kind of stuff on the weekends can give them a call and walk through the troubleshooting. In 20 minutes, Premiere One had me back online with the fence working and the animals getting zapped, which is a good thing in this instance. <laughs> so check out Premiere One Supplies. They are a company that owns livestock, they know livestock, and they make the best quality products that you can buy for your homestead or farm. Check them out at premiereonesupplies.com. Cameron, are you ready to be Sorry, unmuted, Cameron, buddy? I wasn't very much noticed I was supposed to give you. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> we can do another. You want to do one more question? Yeah, and have Cameron get ready. All right, All right, you get ready, Cam. You're up next. Be ready. On okay. deck. So our next question, um, there was a little glitch, it seems, in the email process. So uh, this question either comes from Emily or David. Yes. And we don't know who it's for. Are uh, Emily and David a couple? Are they together? There were two different people. Oh. This this is weird, guys. There was a little bit of a glitchiness to the site, and I either got an email from an Emily or a David, and it was either for, hey kiddo, all right, enjoy it, baby. What'd she say? This is a live show, guys. My kids are gonna <laughs> walk in. <laughs> so Emily or David? Emily or David? That's where we were. Right, Emily or David? Uh, asked. Either me or Mike. Oh, we don't know anything about this yeah, question. Yeah, this then. is the question. All right, what is it? I'd actually like to know Mike's answer, although I think I know it. Would you ever consider having a dairy cow? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? No. <laughs> because I am not a farmer. <laughs> and a dairy cow okay. is a substantially farming activity, so <laughs> I'm, I'm good, really. <laughs> We'd only have a one be- we only have a one-bedroom apartment. I don't think it'd go very well. You do have that rooftop. Uh, True, but we share that. You can have a cow. We are there. allowed to have pets. We just have to pay. I don't a think a dairy cow really is what they had in mind. Bread, I would say no. We share the milk. There idea. you go. Oh, yeah. That's a surefire yeah, way that. to get. I can someday. Someday we're gonna book like a, a farm vacation where accountant Mike gets to go and milk a cow. Can I I, I will suggest... I will be sick that day. Cameron oh. suggests we leave a cow at Austin's. Yes. I recently talked to Kendra, Austin's wife. Uh, I really want a sheep that looks like a panda. Mm-hmm. Apparently that's a thing. So I'm I trying sheep. to... Mike doesn't know this, sheep? but I'm trying to sponsor a Squash Hollow Farm <laughs> panda sheep. But I will not eat it, so we'll have to... Um, It'll just, just grow old it and wool. become no, useless and we'll die. We'll make clothes oh. 
and it will be adorable. I just realized the clothes out of them. You guys can see our producer in the reflection behind me. Oh, look at that! There's our producer, Leanna. There she is. That's cool. No, it's cool. It's like you're (laughs) you're just barely there. She's kind of there. So Mike says no to a cow. No. I are are you surprised? I know. (laughs) Thumbs down. (laughs) Well, no. If he wants one, go for it. I was offered a free Jersey cow. We were looking through Craigslist and we saw somebody selling a Jersey cow. And we were looking for milk goats, but we were like, well, let's go take a look. Because I hadn't learned yet that when you bring your wife to look at animals, you just get animals. After the time I did that with the dog and the goats. (laughs) Anyway, so we went and we looked at this cow. And it was a guy who had one jersey. It was the family milk cow. Jerseys, for those of you who don't know, do incredibly rich, uh, fatty milk, really delicious raw milk. And he was selling this cow. So we went and we spent about an hour with him, really looking at the cow. I asked him to do the milking process to show me. And got to kind of see how much work was involved. Dairies are a lot of work as it is. If you're going to go into a dairy new, I suggest starting with goats. It kind of you can get your feet wet without diving in, in the cow world. So I, I had already done the dairy goat thing, and I already had an idea of the commitment involved with a dairy. Now I could see with this cow how much more work it was going to be. You need to get you couldn't just get a bunch of hay bales. You need to get the big round bales because this cow is going to burn through hay in the winter. And it's a, it's not a small animal, so you know you need to be able to handle this much larger animal. And when she has a mind of her own, you need to feel comfortable working in small spaces. And we decided, you know what, the cow was about eight hundred or thousand dollars, and we said, you know what, it's a lot of work, and we don't think we're ready. So we told the guy, thanks a lot, uh, but I, I don't think it's the right time for us. Well, we get a phone call later that night. Listen, I really like you guys. I like what you're doing. I want my cow to go to a good home. It's yours for free. Do people do that? Are we serious? I want my cow to go to a good home. It's oh, like geez. a dog. It's like adopted, you know, a shelter. Rescue right. cow. Is that a thing? A rescue cow? I don't think a rescue cow is a thing. <laughs> Unless he like gallops into fields and saves people I don't who are like about to die. Super cow. <laughs> no, a rescue cow. He could have like supplies on him and stuff and like the jump barrel out there. with the Yeah, like the dog with the barrel. Yeah. yeah. That and would actually little... be really cool. If we do another home study shirt, it's rescue, rescue cow. cow. Yeah. He can have like stuff on him and like he can bring <laughs> blankets and other effective. other emergency he can bring milk. To you. That's true. He can bring milk to people in need <laughs> and, and milk rescue them. Milk is fatty, so that helps you in a survival milk situation. And he could carry like fire, fire starters and <laughs> I don't know what else you the need. The incendiary cow. <laughs> <laughs> he can have like a gun taped to him so you can just shoot him there and cook him into, uh, cut oh, him into Oh, that doesn't seem right. He rescued you. Yeah, he rescued you by giving his life so you may live. Oh my. That's what we, we're going to start training him, guys. That's Rescue cow. New business plan, rescue cow. <laughs> <laughs> so he offered free cow, and that was really hard. Me and Kendra were like, we could have this incredible asset, ton, a gallon of milk a day. We could feed the pigs with that milk. We could feed our family with that milk. We could 
grow pigs on just milk and then bring them to market with the cow eating grass. But this is a principle for all you future homesteaders and current homesteaders. A free cow isn't free. <laughs> Put it on his t-shirt. It's it's a good one. A free, free cow, cow. Just remember isn't this. Free. As you go off into homesteading your homesteading life, a free cow isn't free. People might say, Oh, I have this free thing, it's all yours, this free animal, this free whatever, free land. A free cow is not free. You have to work, you have to feed it. When winter comes, you need to buy hay to feed this animal. And you need to be able to deliver that hay and keep it dry. And if you don't, it's going to get moldy and maybe the cow is going to get sick. And then you need a vet to come. A free cow isn't free. A free cow is going to cost you a ton of money and work and time. And unless you're ready to take on all of that, it doesn't matter that it's free. So we sat down, we talked long and hard about it. We said, you know what? No. Free cow doesn't matter. We weren't ready to pay for it. We're certainly not ready to get it for free. So to answer the question, either, who was it, Dave or Emily? Dave or Emily asked either yes. me or... Somebody Austin. or somebody. Wants to know. Both of us, no. no to the cow for now. No dairy cow. Maybe future, my life has changed a lot since the free cow is not free times. And um, maybe in a couple of years we'll go down that road again. And certainly that principle still holds weight. Principle still The principle is still true. Yep. Free cow isn't free. All right. Okay. We're actually going to go to a live listener for uncharted right. territory. Cameron. This is first. He has several questions. I don't know if you want him to ask all of them. Hey Cam, if you have your five questions, go ahead and start at the top. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, we yes, can. Yes, we can hear you. Ah, success. Go for it. Okay. Uh, the kind of one of the things I was wondering uh, was, first of all, when the heck is a goat podcast coming out? Like, all about goats. I just got to know about goats, man. Oh, so Cam, first question is a great one. When the heck are we going to do a goat episode? Um, I have had goats for a long time, and I have hinted at the fact that I have a very love-hate relationship with goats. Mostly hate. But I keep buying them. Because so, it's a fool. We will definitely have a goat episode coming soon. We'll probably have a goat episode coming very soon. So that's about as much as I'm going to promise. We're going to unmute you for question number two, Cam. Second question. What is your least favorite thing to do on the homestead? Is there anything that's just a real pain or a drag for you to do on a regular basis? You... Okay. My least favorite thing is all the things that involve manual labor. <laughs> My least favorite thing to do on the homestead is carry hay through the snow to the goat barn. And this is a result of a few different things. Poor design, poor planning, and living in New England. So you can avoid all three of those things. All you listeners at home can avoid poor design. So when you design your homesteads, don't put a building where you can't pave a road to it. Or, I'm sorry, plow a road to it. So make sure there's a road that runs near your building. I didn't design where the building went. It was there when we got there. So I get out of that one. It was already there. Just 
whoever designed it, there's no road. So you got to carry hay there. It's ridiculous. Number two, poor planning. That one was my bad. I could have got plenty of hay in November and had it all winter long. Instead, I ordered, I ran out of hay in January. This was a year or two ago. And then I was in trouble. So I had to get hay in January and there was like four feet of snow. And number three, you can absolutely do, which is don't live in New England because we get four feet of snow. So make sure you don't wind up doing, I hate doing things inefficiently on the homestead. Things that could be done very efficiently, like if they were planned properly. Uh, that's the number one thing I cannot stand. The other one would be probably cleaning up pig poop because you're going to smell like it all day. So Austin, age 10, look out for the pig poop, buddy. It stinks. Next question. Okay. Um, so that kind of tied with the following question, which would, I mean, just be the hardest thing. Um, so kind of going in a different direction, have you ever considered brewing your own beer or making your own wine, like growing vines on the homestead or anything like that? Maybe some pops or something beer? Uh, yeah. Okay. So beer doesn't generally agree with me. I feel bloated and gross yeah. for like days. I would love to grow my own grapes and make my own wine. So like, I'm not all that interested in like homesteading. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if making your own wine counts, I would totally be interested in doing that. I think that making your own wine is a certain type of art. And like, if you can, I just, that is something I would love to do. I'd love to get into it. Beer, not so much, because I, I can't do beer. It, it doesn't agree with me, so. You want to talk it? Austin's leaving. No, I will. I'll be back. Okay. Oh, I'm back. It's a live episode. Talk. You can't just get Yeah, I can't leave. just get leave. I can text her. Yeah. Uh, I will. Okay. Me. But <laughs> Melody's like, bye, Austin. He just left. <laughs> forgot. This is a live show. Yeah. I can't do that. You can't do that. So... Uh, we actually bought a beer brewing kit. This was a gift. Kay got me a gift a year or so ago, beer brewing kit. And I went and I got my kit and the guy was explaining to me like, okay, before you start, you got to sanitize all of the lines and you got to sanitize the bucket and then you got to sanitize your hands and then you have to sanitize the bucket. I was like, oh, you have to sanitize the bucket twice. You have to sanitize everything. Austin did not sanitize anything. And I, yeah. I wasn't there, but I will tell you, he did not sanitize anything. Well, I just never did it. <laughs> I was like, that's too much sanitation. Whoops. So that really discouraged me from trying it. I know it shouldn't have, but I'm like cleaning. I don't know. It's a chore. So someday, uh, as far as growing the things for it, hops are really hard to do small scale. Uh, my buddy John from the Growing Farms podcast, he's a hops farmer, and to get the hops growing properly, they installed like telephone poles with wire cables, and it's a huge setup. If you're thinking about doing the beer thing, I would suggest going the route of finding a local farm doing hops and trying out the different types and varieties. I'm sure yeah. there's some small-scale versions that oh, you yeah. could try, uh, but for me, it's just it's one of those things. I like to get a lot of bang for my buck, and growing hops... Not so much. Uh, wine and other like hard ciders. Like grain alcohol sort of things. Ooh. I don't know about growing grains. But wine and uh, hard ciders, that's something I'm very interested in. Hard cider is great because you can turn bad apples. Uh, you could plant an apple seed and grow a cider tree. 
you can't just take an apple seed and grow a good fruit tree, good for eating. But you can grow cider apples, which can then be fermented into hard cider, uh, as well as apple jack and all sorts of other cool stuff. Uh, and wine also is a little bit easier to do. So not apple jacks. No. <laughs> hey, you can go. grow apple jacks. Kids and love, then what was with the your dairy jacks? cow, you can just, you know, the milk and What was good. the apple jacks? Gotta have my jacks. Gotta have my jacks. Why do kids love apple jacks? They don't taste like apple. That does oh, not yeah, that's right. No, 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 no. At all. Remember apple they jacks? They don't taste like apple. Uh, oh, that's gotta have my pops. Cameron's right. Oh, uh, it's gotta have my thanks, pops. Cameron. Gotta have my pops? Right. <laughs> yes, yeah. Apple but pops. apple jacks was the one. Jacks Why do kids like apple? Anyway, Applejack is a kind of, um, it, I, I believe it's a, almost like a whiskey that's done by freezing hard cider. Nice. It's cool. I don't know any. I, I haven't done, Kendra's the brewer of the family. She does kombucha, which is great. She does, she's done jun tea or gin, jun tea, I believe it is. Um, and she does ginger beer or ginger, ginger ale. She does a lot of the brewing, so. When it comes to brewing, Kendra's the one to uh, talk to. And we're going to see if we can get a guest appearance. I'm going to see if I can make that happen. Promises. I don't know. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I doubt that very much. Let's, uh, Cam, let's take one more question. I'm going I'm on muting now. I doubt that. You're okay, on mute. Right, right, right. Unmute. The last question then is, how are the ducks? Ah. Everybody wants to know how they're doing, man. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thanks for asking that one, Cam. And Cam, thanks for coming on live on the show. Cam is a pioneer and a huge supporter of Homesteady, and one of our one of our he's a very uh, he referred to himself as a pe- pesky peskiest pioneer. But nah, we love you, Cam. Thank so you, thanks man. thanks for joining the show. Um, the ducks, okay, ready for this? I'm, for those of you who aren't watching the live feed, I am wearing my abducted T-shirt, which, by the way, is a really sweet T-shirt, guys. You can order it. Plug from the website, two. plug number two. It's a soft tee, and it's just, it's a nice color. I like it. And my brother-in-law designed it. He's a good designer. Um, anyways, how are the ducks? The ducks are awesome. I'm going on record. All right. I, we got Muscovies. We got two, and we named them Don not, not Draker six. and Whoa. Betty Draker. Oh, my God. So, yes, I know what that means. I've taken the duck are people test. Are you serious? And uh, he's got like slick back hair. He looks, you know, he's got that look. And he's like, you know, he's very Don Draker-esque. Um, what is he, like a philanderer or something? Well, there's only one duck, so I guess we'll find out. Oh. <laughs> right, there's only one other one. Yeah. But uh, they're very, the Muscovy duck, Kendra grew up with Muscovies. Her aunts had Muscovies. And she's a big Muscovy fan. The Muscovies are a little different than the other ducks in the world. Some people say they're a different, I believe the word is genus. Um, they're, a different, they're different than the other ducks. Excellent. They are great ducks. They're, uh, they're quiet, they're clean, and I really like them. So, I'm guys, I've been abducted. I'm a big fan of Muscovies. Yeah, we haven't gotten yet into the other kinds of ducks yet, but the, uh, I think it's in our future. And we're hatching how many more now? Cool, Mommy. <laughs> so that's my uh, my two and a half year old. Here we're gonna have our, our uh, this is our family oh, more people are our family up. guest guest appearance. All right, let's say good night, girls. Can you say homesteady? Homesteady. Want to wave to the fans, baby? All right. <laughs> good night. Thanks, baby. All right.
Um, well, we can go to, we have a question from Paul in Chicago that was emailed in. Hi, Paul. Oh, emailed. Yes, yeah, sorry. Hi, Paul. If When you're listening, or if you're <laughs> listening now, or if you're, I've dug a hole. Okay. So, um, a little background. He says, my wife and young daughter have been on our four-acre property for about two months and are only beginning to scratch the surface of developing our homestead. I enjoy your segments with Accountant Mike, since I also come from an accounting background. Ooh, Thanks. nice. Keep up the great work. Nice. It sure is, buddy. You want to say hi to the Homesteady fans? We have one more, uh, one more guest appearance here. One more here. kid. You may have seen this one on the YouTube channel. Want to say hi to everybody? Hi. You can't see them, but there's people watching. All right, you can go say with mommy. <laughs> he was up early fishing today. <laughs> so, count, what's question for Counter okay, Mike? So, no, it's. I it's a question. Ooh, I like red I mean, I one too. really don't think Accountant oh, Mike's going to have an answer to it. Okay. What? So. what is the question? Uh, the question is, any ideas for a good woodchuck deterrent? Wait, this Other was than... the accountant guy? Yeah. Oh, man. Awesome. Than... <laughs> Aren't they big enough to shoot? Other shoot than them, killing dude. or trapping, any ideas of removing a woodchuck living below our barn? <laughs> also, any pros... Hashtag woodchuck problems. Any pros yeah. and cons of having a woodchuck live in such close proximity? Do they contribute anything from a pest control standpoint, or are there any other uses? Well, well what does a woodchuck eat? Woodchuck is a groundhog. Uh, could chuck wood. How much? How much do they eat? I don't even know. It if they eat enough. I, <laughs> I got it. So, I guess... Is that question directed at me? I don't think okay. it was. <laughs> oh. All right, good. Then I don't have to worry about fielding it. Woodchucks. Um, Kendra shoots woodchucks. Sorry, Paul. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, ready? He Story. is not kidding. We had a woodchuck eating our garden. And so, Kendra's a better shot than me. I've said this before on the show. Uh, Which, she's... I will say, in my friend's defense, Kendra, his wife, is an exceptional shot. Like, Count Mike is a good shot, too. I'm a pretty good shot. We don't talk about this much, but he's quite the shotgunner. But when it comes to the rifle work, oh yeah, Kendra's the sniper of the family. Yeah. And uh, there was a woodchuck in the garden. Big woodchuck. She went out there. She was, pr I'm pretty sure, pregnant at the time. Yes. Chances are. And uh, <laughs> she belly Probably crawled. Was. Set up the twenty-two. Pew. Woodchuck got stuck with the uh, grass still in his mouth. Of course, we are good homesteaders. We tried to use it. Uh, woodchuck meat is red, red meat like steak. Beautiful okay. looking. Smells delicious. Hockey puck. So hard, so tough. Really? So next time we will try it again. It's going to be slow cooker, really, really slow. We'll try it again. Kendra has also shot squirrels without bothering to leave the house. Like, from oh, yeah. inside of her kitchen window. I have I have come over before, and she's shot an animal, like, outside <laughs> of the window in their kitchen. Yeah. Just standing there, like, stir some, like, pasta or something, <laughs> and shoot the animal. Which, okay, I guess, you know, if you're she into that. She's a better shot. Woof! Yeah. Anyway. Brett says that uh, they've used fox urine in the past. Wow. That's a good tip. I guess I would try to figure out, so what does a woodchuck want? Get inside the woodchuck's mind. Like, does he want little animals to eat? Does he want little no. animals to be friendly? Have you ever been in the woods? <laughs> what is a woodchuck anyway? That's a good, you're good on the scotch there, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is a woodchuck? No, I mean, because 
What I'm saying is, because I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to like draw him out. If you want him to get out of there, and I always feel like in this sort of scenario, instead of trying to force an animal out, like try to put something out there that he wants and try to get him to come out on his own. So plant, plant him his own little pasture. But Paul asked, he didn't want to shoot him. Which is yeah, he doesn't okay. Want to shoot. So I would look into like what does what does a woodchuck want? In I life? don't think Paul, try to get him out of there. I don't think your woodchuck has many positive benefits to your whole big picture. Um, if you look at a woodchuck, like is there any pest control that a woodchuck's doing? I don't know off the top of my head any reasons to keep a woodchuck around. But if you're looking real, yeah, sorry, Paul. It was fun to tell Kendra's story. That's why we included that one. We have no good advice for you, Paul. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So there was a really good one. Uh, uh, Heidi just asked Red Barn Heidi for accountant Mike. for accountant Mike. Let's look because I gotta go close the door. <laughs> okay. All right. Michael, I'm ready. What are some write-offs that homesteaders might be overlooking? Hmm. Okay, so if you're getting into homesteading, talk to your accountant about your specific situation because a lot is going to depend on whether you own the land, whether the business is in an LLC or not, how much of your produce you're going to be using for yourself. I would say <laughs> this is going to be a really accountant answer, but don't forget that certain animals get treated, get treated differently, like if you're raising pigs for... The purposes of breeding and things like that, they're considered a capital asset, which means when you dispose of them, it's capital gains activity. So that should make sense, you know, keep that in terms of like holding periods. It might mean actually holding on to a pig for like more than a year so you can get long-term capital gains. <laughs> Other than that, um, talk to your accountant and look at, so like all the forms are available online. If it's, if it's just you and you've got your homestead, your little farm business, you might be doing, you're going to be e either using a Schedule F, which is an attachment on your Form 1040, or you're going to be doing a Schedule C. Look at those forms and actually read like every line and think about like, what is this? Can I, can I use this? Is this a real expense? Things like that. Go through the forms and then talk to an accountant. I think um, farming is one area where there is you you don't have a great variety of expenses like you buy animals you buy feed you pay your insurance you maybe have some employees and like i can't think of many other things yeah i would just add to make sure you check with your local tax laws for property tax that's something that you might not know yeah. you can get uh yeah a, yeah. a, a break yeah. A, a, yeah, there's a word like reduction that. on your property tax. I'll I'll throw into that. Um, there's so much specific to even your town, even what your town will let you do. For example, in Connecticut, there's an act called the PA 490 code, uh, where you can get your your land exempt from lots of its property tax if it's in agricultural use. Now, there each town. It's going to have a person who's going to approve that, and it's going to be different. So, Mike's advice is great. Obviously, talk to your talk to an accountant. Yeah. Um, what our experience has been. So these are the ways our homestead has saved us lots of money tax wise by a being a legitimate business because once it's a legitimate business, and you can go in further on this, write offs become a big part of how you save money. Oh yeah. Then. 
local uh, getting the property tax cut and that is done on a town level here in Connecticut might be different in your state I think in, in most states that's going to be on the town level or the local level in most states it's it's the locality um, that levies property taxes and yeah. collects property taxes and then in in Connecticut sales tax so there are three ways I'm saving money on my taxes again the property tax to pay for 90 mm-hmm. being a business and being able to do write-offs for my income and three that uh sales tax so when i buy lumber and when right. i buy uh seed or feed that i don't have to pay a six percent sales tax which in connecticut you have a six percent so those areas and what Mike said is a good point. There's there's not a lot of variety with, with yeah. there's a lot of expense, but it's yeah. pretty much basically your feeds. It's going to be in like six supplies. categories, yeah. and that's really it. So I mean, yeah. any anyone's honestly become a guys become a business, become a business, become a business. Take it seriously, yeah. Because when you become a business, write offs, everything. I mean, at that point, it, as long as it's legit, right? Yeah, you you can write off so much of your income. When you become a business and then, then you just got to think smart about that and have an accountant that you talk to. Yeah. And, and one that you pay him in pork. Okay. Here's the thing. I will say this and some of my other accounting colleagues may not like me so much for saying this at the end of the day, it doesn't really, okay. There are accountants who are incredibly qualified. They went to the best colleges. They have been CPAs forever. Then you have other guys who went to, like, okay colleges and, like, you know, whatever. Like, their credential does not really matter so much as you having the ability to talk to them and have a good relationship with them. That matters. So if you're currently using an accountant who's, like, super credentialed and really great, but you don't have a great one-on-one rapport with him... Like me and my accountant. Leave him. That's fine. Go to someone else who's got... I mean, make sure they are credentialed. You'd want at least an enrolled agent or a certified public accountant, depending on your states. Either So an EA or CPA, get one of those. But beyond that, like find one that you can talk to. Find one that you can call on the phone and say, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Yada, yada. Talk through. That's an incredibly powerful asset that will end up saving you a lot of energy and headaches and money down the line. That's, I mean, that really handles that question. Get yourself an accountant, Mike, because you can't have mine. <laughs> Actually, you can. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a lot of people's accountant. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Wow. We have another one that was emailed in from Tara. She says, hey, Oss, I absolutely love the show. What's your favorite bedding for chickens? I started with pine shavings, and they were so dusty, so I, sit, I switched to straw, and it doesn't absorb crap, literally. Seems... Seem, to be less messy but more stinky. Free stuff, Tara or Tara, Tara, Tara. It was by email. Oh, we don't okay. know. Tara, T A R R A H. I like no. free stuff. Just T A R R A. Um, because we do Austin. Free things are not always free. Oh, hashtag free cows. Free cows and free homestead problems. Yeah, I like. I get free from a local cabinet shop they have bags the size of accountant mike 
of wood chips and <laughs> just shavings. Not, just not that big, really. <laughs> and I get them for free. They're very, very dusty. When I clean the coop, I wear a face mask. Um, I like free stuff. Hay does not work great. If you're using hay, at least mix it in with shavings. It is dusty. That's part of that's part of the problem. No good advice other than that. I like free stuff. Mm. Cool. Um, all right, let's see where we are here. We have one from Josh for both of you. How do you both feel about rabbits on the homestead for meat? Also, do you know anything about barley or wheat fodder for feed? Not a big fodder guy. I know a lot of people do the fodder thing and sprout it and save so much money. And I'm sure there's some legitimacy to it. Just haven't done it yet. I don't know what that is. Rabbits <laughs> are... Rabbit meat is good. Yeah, rabbit meat is good. I like rabbit meat. Way easier to butcher than a chicken. Super prolific and easy to have a self-sustaining herd. Yeah. Flock. Group. Gaggle. Congress. Warren. Warren of rabbits. Or is that just where they live? I read Rabbit's Warren. Down. A Rabbit's Warren, maybe. That, a Rabbit's Warren sounds like a place. I think that's a place. It is what they live in. Maybe anyway, it's a Congress of group Rabbits. Group of Rabbits. <laughs> group? Group of Rabbits? School. School of Rabbits. Um, we haven't got into Rabbits yet because we haven't found a good Rabbit source. Ra- I love Rabbit meat. Is I it think... really called that, Brett? Or do you just want us to read oh, a joke? A on fluffle the of Rabbits? <laughs> oh, a fluffle oh, of Rabbits. <laughs> I, I don't know if I believe Wikipedia. you, Brett, on the internet. Google it. No <laughs> way. Is he Google serious? It. Is it real? Fluffle. Oh. I'm going to find out. We're going to find out. Our producer is working ravishly. A group of rabbits is called a herd, just like a group of cattle. A herd. A herd of rabbits live in a, lives in a warren. That's oh, no. A he's warren. posting it. He posted Uh-oh. a link. <laughs> oh. oh, New World Encyclopedia. Rabbit is the common name for small mammals in the family of the. Oh, you zoomed away. Location and behavior. Characterized by long ears and legs, large hind feet, a short and bushy tail, and young born and young oh young born without fur. Gotcha. Okay, now we're we're on to somewhere else now. Okay, I have a better idea. Location and habitat. Oh, let's do behavior, diet, reproduction, diet. Reproduction classification. Ah, okay. so oh. much information. Look into this. Okay, I Wait, got it. She's got right it. Right here from New World Encyclopedia. A group of rabbits or hares is often called a fluffle in parts of northern Canada. Oh, Brett, you gave yourself away. Come on, man. Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, America's hat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. He's from Syracuse. You're close enough. All right, all right, <laughs> all right. So okay. So the question we'll try is rabbits. rabbits. We want to try rabbits. Yeah, I, I will. I have an opinion about this because I like rabbit meat. I think rabbit meat is underappreciated. I think it's very. Um, I think it's very versatile, which is awesome. I think you can do a lot with rabbit meat. Very good. Very yummy. I'm for it. Anybody notice that most of account mics? opinions about homesteading have to do with food or uh-huh. drink. If he likes yeah, it. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, he might like numbers, but he's rest certainly of it's swayed just by his stomach. This happens when you marry an Italian. He wants to make wine. Yeah. I, I would love to make wine. That would be great. <laughs> Speaking of which, we have a question from somebody in Malta, which is a tiny island in the Mediterranean. So cool. I'm going to pronounce her name the way my grandma would, which is Graziella. Graziella. I don't know if that's how she says it, but... Um, 
Probably. So she says that because she's in Malta, she can't join for the live session. But she says, as a budding homesteader wishing to make the move and rent out a piece of rural property, Austin, how would you calculate the amount of land to grow food for two and maybe some chickens? And Mike, would you recommend renting or buying property for a small homestead? We kind of already talked about, again, the amount of land, how much do you need for a couple of chickens? You don't need, for a couple of chickens, you need this much, literally, you could do it in that much space. So you just make their life nice by adding lots of scraps from your table. Um, and again, depending on how good you are at production, you know, you can make one acre, you can make a quarter acre really work. Go vertical, go wide, go long, go deep in the ground. The bigger question here, I really like the question for, for Mike is... Rent or buy? Rent or buy. This is a good one. So, my... I'm going to add a third at the end. Go ahead. Yeah. Do what you want to do now? No, you start. All right. So, my thinking on the rent I want to go buy. look at the list. All right. <laughs> go ahead. My thinking on the rent or buy is basically this. I think primarily it really comes down to your finances. I don't think that necessarily using land for homesteading is going to uh, de degrade the value of the land or anything like that. So I'm saying that to say I think if you were able to rent some land, use it for homesteading, I think you that would be fine. I don't think you're going to find a landlord that's really going to have a big problem with that. Um, rent or buy is really a personal finance decision. What's your? I would suggest asking the question, what's your monthly cost going to be if you rent versus what's your monthly cost if you buy? If you're taking out a mortgage, what's the cost of financing that mortgage? Like, is it pretty cheap money where you're only paying three or 4% on the loan? Or is it, do you have terrible credit? And is it gonna be expensive money? Are you gonna be paying nine, 10% on the loan? Other than that, um, I would, in a general sense, I would not recommend jumping in and buying a huge piece of land or even a, a moderately sized piece of land in order to homestead if you are not already homesteading. It's a big thing, you know. Like, it's a big thing to jump into and buy all of this land and try it for a year or two. And then what if you realize you don't really like it? Like, I wouldn't want someone to be in that place where they bought 50 acres and they moved into the middle of nowhere. And two years later, they realize, like, they hate it. Now you've got to sell it and all that. I wouldn't, so I wouldn't recommend jumping in and buying something right away just because of that reason. But... You know, it's a personal decision. Is that chocolate? I'm sorry, it was and pretty loud. Oh. oh no! Oh no! Oh. Oh. We just took our producer's chocolate. And I didn't get any scotch in case anybody's wondering. Oh my! We are any really... That's all right. I got chocolate. You can run for our scotch. I'll answer right, in a second. Right. So the third option. This is what we normally do, not live. Yeah. How do we not give our producers scotch? I know. Jerks. I was going to talk about it later. Good. Um, Jill will call us out on it. <laughs> So the third option, right? Buy versus rent versus free. Now, I'm going to be honest. While Mike was talking, I was not listening. <laughs> um, did you talk about the idea when you buy, when, when you go to any piece of property as a homesteader, you're going to be doing things to the property that either increase or decrease its value. If you're a smart homesteader, you're going to go into the property and you're going to... I'm looking at the microphone. I'm, everyone's wondering, like, what is he looking at? I'm so what I tell Sorry, you guys. is this. You should buy the land. I'm, I'm a podcaster. I'm used to looking at a mic. So 
you're going to be doing things that either improve or Decrease. take away from the value of the property. If you're a good, smart homesteader, you're going to improve the soil. You're going to add more organic material. That's going to improve the, the quality of the property. You're going to plant trees, which includes the, it improves the value. So if you're renting and you're improving the value, make sure you agree in the beginning that what you're investing in that property is reflected in how you leave. So whether or not you get to, as you improve the quality of the land, decrease your rent or get some sort of benefit at the end of the term or have the right to buy later. I don't know if, did you cover that at all? Not, there, not, not in that detail. With agricultural, generally in an agricultural setting, you're going to improve the land if you do things the organic homesteader kind of way. Uh, so there is a really big reason why you'd want to buy because if you're going to improve it, you might as well improve your own property if you can afford to. Now, let's say you can afford to, and that's why renting is a big option, or maybe you're living a fluid lifestyle. That's okay. You can still improve the property. Just make sure uh, if you're brand new to this, you're not going to really improve it that much in the beginning. So don't walk into a new scene where you're like, I'm going to make this property amazing. Learn how to do it first. Then you can talk about those kind of things. The third option is see if you can find some property you can use either for free or for very, very, not necessarily being a renter in like, I'm going to rent the house and the property. Uh, you could come up with a option where the person has a bunch of land and you say to them, listen, I have a business plan here. I'm going to you know, run chickens on your property and that's going to put nitrogen into your soil and improve the value. And I will give you a, a tenth of the profits. Now you don't have any money out. There's no risk. There's very low risk for that person because they're like, all right, he's putting chickens on my property and then he's going to butcher them. Uh, so find creative ways where if, if expense is the problem, maybe you're not going to get free land, but for no money out, you could say to a person, listen, I'll, I'll cut you on a tenth of the proceeds or I'll cut you in on a tenth of, you know, the, the profit or, hey, I'll give you a share of the food. There are wealthy people who have nice properties who if you said, listen, you're going to get a CSA share from me and you're, I'll make sure your property looks beautiful and we increase the value. And here's my business plan. I'm a serious adult. I'm not just some hippie who wants to set up a tent. Sorry, hippies. <laughs> I'm um, a serious adult. I'm a serious that adult. Was the, that was the quote he just Trust used. me, I am a serious adult. I am a serious adult um, with a plan. Approach it, you know, like a business, not like a freegan. Yeah. But uh, you might be able to find a creative way where you get either free land or cr close to free. My buddy John from the Growing Farms podcast. Second plug for John. He's not even paying us. Third. I know. Come on. Third. Now we love John. Uh, he, he was able to work out some really good deals with land. Uh, where he was able to offer, I don't know exactly what his deals were, but he was able to get access to lots of land for very little upfront cost. So get creative. Cool. So I love owning, by the way. I, I'm, I'd rather own two acres than have rent, rent on a hundred. So there's that. Whether you have two acres or 100, you probably want to spend some time on that land gardening. And so we're bringing you from the studio the Grow Journey Gardening Tip of the Month. Did you guys know that on just one acre of healthy land, there are 400 million insects, 
with a total weight per acre of 400 pounds. That's on healthy land. If you don't like insects, you should probably move to another planet. This is what our friends at Grow Journey tell us this month. To try to kill that many insects would require truckloads and truckloads of poison. Instead of trying to kill the insects on your property, look to them as a source for good. The vast majority of insects are beneficial to your garden. Because 95% of them are beneficial, you should definitely put down the poison spray and learn how to use those beneficial insects to help your garden instead of trying to kill them. Beneficial insects can help increase the yields in your garden and can even get rid of those bad insects. So how do you cultivate a garden full of beneficial insects? The first tip, with biodiversity. When we plant monocultures, one single plant in a large area, we attract all the pests to that one plant, to that one area. Instead, mix plants. Interplanting different species is more visually attractive and it will reduce disease and pest damage. That's just one of the great tips that you can find in this article. There's two more good tips on how to attract beneficials and what you should do if you see one of those 5% bad insects. You can read the rest of this gardening tip over at growjourney.com. To get the gardening tip of the month sent to your email inbox, just sign up for their newsletter at growjourney.com. You can also check out their seed of the month subscription service. They have subscriptions for both small and large gardens. Check them out at growjourney.com. questions and then we'll run through some of the live questions right, that were right. asked so um we have from vince for austin with the multitude of information available oh, like to me on the internet as well as locally how does one new to homesteading discern valuable information how do you qualify a data source as an authority on a given subject mm, and he question. adds sorry i can't be there on the live event mike i can help with the winemaking thank you awesome. guys for the great shows enjoyable informative and encouraging Vince, thanks, buddy. Um, I believe Vince is uh, he's a local too to us. I think that's the Vince from uh, well Connecticut. He's local. We won't bomb him on the air, but <laughs> so Vince, I love this question because the internet is full of blogs. That's a true statement. The internet is full of blogs. And Second quote of the evening. <laughs> these are people who are opinionated, who are. Have a lot of time on their hands. A lot of time on their hands. Have a nice camera. I have literally just described myself to you guys. I'm opinionated. I have a blog. I have a nice camera. And um, he is a serious adult. And I'm a serious adult. <laughs> With a business plan. And a duck shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can buy now. Click on the sidebar. Oh, this is homesteady.com. You should have a little click thing where they can click and buy Annotation. Shirt. It'll go oh, right. Oh, we didn't think about that. No. It'll go right there. Next no. live show. I'm Next live show. I'll put it in post-production. Yeah. All right, good. So, all right, Vince, this is one of the biggest challenges of the world now because Google does not tell you what the right answer is. Google tells you what the most popular answer is. 
Google, is Pluto a planet? We all know what the right answer is. Yes. <laughs> so, how do you figure out what is good quality information when it comes to the world of homesteading? Uh, there's a couple different ways you can do this. You, my, my absolute favorite way is what I refer to as small data. There is big data out there. You could go read studies from colleges about how to feed pigs. You could read, these are good, like peer reviewed studies. You can read college papers on the best care for chickens. You can read, this is, this is real big, good data, legitimate stuff. But you're not going to raise pigs in that same manner. It doesn't matter what they say the right feed is and what the right confinement is and what you're not going to do that because you live in a different place and at a different elevation and you have a different amount of time per day to take care of those animals and all that stuff. So the internet is kind of a really bad place to find good, good, big data. And it's also a really tough place to find good, small data because a lot of people are ha either have really strong opinions based off very little facts mm -hmm. Uh, or are opinionated or are just trying to sell you something. And I'm like, here's me being totally honest with you guys, right? I answered a lot of questions on pigs. I have raised four different breeds of pigs. There's like 15 different, or there's probably a hundred different, I don't know. There's tons of different breeds of pigs. If you get the stories guide to pigs, you're going to be looking through those pages like, my goodness, there is a million different kinds of pigs. There's not really a million. I have tried four. And in my area... What I purely base it on is my small data. So I've tried a few of this kind and a few of this kind and a few of this kind. And I now know without a doubt, I don't care what any blogger tells me. I don't care what any college essay writes. I know for me, based on my small data of having tried it in a little way, that the Yorkshire land race is the best pig for me. Because that's a breeder I trust. And that's a pig that I've seen do well. And I learned it. On two pigs. I got two pigs. Low risk. I got two pigs. Guess what happens if two pigs don't turn out well? You have a freezer full of bacon. Guess what happens if two pigs turn out well? You have a freezer full of bacon. So small data with homesteading is great. If you want to figure out what's the right kind of goat for you, well, look at your local community. You can read online, but don't read stuff that is too opinionated. Uh, so first and foremost, look in the real world around you in your area. Don't look online. Look at your farmer's market. Look at local people because those are the people that could help you if things go wrong. So look in the local world around you. If you can get help there, uh, if you can't get help there, then uh, I'm sorry. If you get help there and you can get a couple animals and just try it out yourself, great. If not, if you're going online for help, there are good sources. And those are thisishomesteady.com. <laughs> no, find people like, like I can give you really good advice on pigs and I can give you really good advice on goats. I can give you really good advice on chickens. And you know that this is good advice because of a couple different things. First off, you guys know just from my track record, I told you when I killed my puppy. So I'm pretty honest, right? Uh, now, I am trying to sell a thing, which is the Pioneer Program or my classes, uh, but those are not based off, I'm not trying to sell you a breed of an animal. So you can ask yourself, 
Austin tells me that I should get Yorkshire Landrace pigs. Is he selling Yorkshire Landrace pigs to me? No. Okay. So he's not motivated by money in telling me this. What is he motivated by? Well, his website is a, is a source of information where um, you know he shares his story. He's pretty honest about what happens. Uh, and he's got five years of experience. Uh, he's raised four different kinds of breeds. So you just kind of get a good gut gut feel. Like this guy's got a lot of experience. He's he's tried a bunch of different things. And at the end of the day, he's pretty honest. So if it didn't go great, he would tell me. If a, if a blogger, if everything is rosy colored and amazing and, and they're raising pigs for free, I, I see this all the time on Pinterest. How to raise pigs for free. It's a really popular pin. Everyone wants to raise pigs for free. No one's going to do that. No, you're not going to raise pigs for free. And if you are, you are spending so much time diving through dumpsters to get garbage food into that pig that then you are eating. It's not a smart decision. So so just look at it, kind of you know, test the water level-headed. There's, there's no litmus test here. You can't say like, well, a blogger with 10 years experience is going to be a good source. But go for people who sound reasonable, who are honest, who have you know a bit of experience, um, and and if you feel like you can, what you should not do is just Google it, find the first answer, and go with that because that doesn't mean anything. I have, if you Google right now, uh, three best fish to catch and eat, an article of mine will pop up on the front page of Google, and Brett can check that out. He's my web, help, my Google helper. Um, but that should help out. That should pop up on the first page, and it doesn't pop up because I'm an amazing fisherman who's mastered fishing and knows the tastiest fish of all. Yeah, Brett confirms it. <laughs> um, because guess what? We've just spent like a week fishing, and I haven't caught a keeper all week. But it comes up as the first answer on Google or the third answer on Google because I have a really popular Pinterest pin that people go there and they like that article's done really well. So just because it's the first answer in Google doesn't mean it's the right one. A lot of the best sites that you'll find are... <laughs> Thanks, Cam. Um, <laughs> Cam's offering fishing lessons. I will take you up on it. If you can get a keeper striper in this house, man. The, uh, the, the best thing is just look at the source, see what kind of experience there is, see what kind of time there is, and at the end of the day, nothing beats your own small data. So really, if you can find a way to get a good read, put out a bunch of feelers, find someone you trust who knows what they're talking about, and then don't buy 10 of them if they're pigs, <laughs> buy two. If they're chickens, don't buy 50 of them. Buy 10. Buy six. Buy six. <laughs> Start small. Ducks, we got back into ducks, guys. You know how many we got? Two. Start small. Small data is the best data you're going to have for homesteading. Cool. All right. So next we have a question from Jeff. But first he says, I can't imagine anyone listening to your show and not becoming a pioneer. The cost per piece of advice slash lesson learned slash successes slash failures and laughs is negligible. Seriously, become a pioneer. You won't regret it. We didn't have to do that plug. Jeff did it for us. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. So he asks, uh, for both of you, if money were no factor, what would be the one thing you would get for your homestead and why? I love this question. Now, Mike, I know you don't have a homestead. I would, I would get a, a full, I would get a full-time staff for my <laughs> <laughs> is what I would get if money were no object. 
Thank okay. you. Thank you. Accountant You're doing Mike. a great job. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> You're like the benevolent landowner. <laughs> I would. I would give him good bonuses and all help and Money's no option, works, man. man. Great work Brett knows you well. He was going to say a farmer. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. If money were no object. If money were no... Okay. But joking aside, right? And like a homestead is really just like a place where you live and survive, right? Right. If you could get one thing towards the world of sustaining... Sustainability? Self-sufficient. You do... I mean, you like to shoot. Yeah. You like to craft wine, in theory. <laughs> I like to craft theoretical wine. Theoretical wine. Um, I guess to me, yeah. So, okay, if, if homesteading is all about like a way of life and it's about... We've talked already about how efficiency is really important, right? Efficiency is important, and self-sustaining is important, and I don't really know. I don't have a good answer. <laughs> what, did you do? <laughs> what did you do? I'm like, you're rubbing food. <laughs> <laughs> We're such bad live podcasters. Oh, can't you just edit it out? It'll be fine. Don't worry. Nobody's watching. Nobody's right. watching this. Um, I guess I would go somewhere down the like sustainability. Maybe I would do something like solar panels or something. Oh, good ones. Where solar like because energy like is energy is hard to do on a very small scale, which most mm-hmm. homesteads we're talking about a very like you're not really going to set up your own hydro plant if you have a quarter of an acre. But you could produce a substantial amount of solar energy. Maybe I'd do something like that. That's a great one. But legit, I would just hire a crew, man. That's, <laughs> Let's that's be it. You just have an apartment for my grandma and she can come. Yeah, garden that's it. she can garden stuff. She's, yeah. she's got a green thumb. All right. That uh, that really actually kind of, that's a great answer. So like do something for energy, right? Because that'll give back. But my original answer, I'll stick with this one. Complete perimeter fence oh. for all animals. If money were no object, if tomorrow I got tons of money and I could say do this. Or just a grant. They said, listen, pick one thing and here's your all the money for it. Perimeter fence that can hold pigs, goats, sheep, horses, turkeys. And keep bears out. And keep bears out. Because the one most stressful thing that we experience on bears are a, a lot is animals getting out of their paddocks and getting out of their coops and out of their pens and predate, predators coming in. And if we had a really, really good perimeter fence on that 10 acres, I would be much more calm, relaxed as a homestead. Guy. Like like an electrified one? Like Jurassic, like in Jurassic Spare Park. Spare no expense! <laughs> I knew there Jurassic Park was coming out tonight. Spare, Spare no, no expense. expense. Yeah, that's... Katie says that they got solar panels this year and they love them. Oh, awesome. good. I feel like they've gotten a lot cheaper, right? Like they, there's companies that will install them for like, free, and you don't pay for them until you sell your house. Like maybe looking into that. I, I, okay, so I think of like where are we in time? 2016. We're, oh, so like ten. Like the so like ten or eleven years Too ago, long. right? <laughs> I feel like ten or eleven years ago, solar panels were really expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Didn't make you sense. would need to keep them for forty years before you broke even. And now I sort of feel like they're. Like, they don't seem to be that bad anymore, right? Like, if you have a good setup, if you're actually going to have some decent sun, it seems like they're actually pretty feasible. So, I don't know. I don't know how I got back on that topic. But anyway, yeah, I'm for solar panels. 
We're uh, we're coming. We've already been an hour, guys. So we're Oops. gonna close it down. Not close it down just yet. We're we're coming towards the end of the questions here. Um, so we're just letting you guys know the live guys. Thank you so much for joining us and asking questions. We are closing the uh, the doors, and we got a few left here. So. so from Lewis, how do you process your chickens? Power plucker, buddy. Get yourself a power plucker. Uh, go to powerplucker.com. They are one of our partners. Full disclosure. They are one of our partners because I reached out to them and said, I love your guys' stuff. Will you want a partner? That's that's how we do it with our partners, guys. I don't find companies I don't believe in. And this is a perfect opportunity to mention thanks to our partners. Uh, we already mentioned Grow Journey, who's the seed of the month club, who sends you know great organic, good quality seed every month. Also, th special thanks to our new partner, Premier One. Amazing equipment for your farm, your livestock. Check out PremierOneSupplies.com. Uh, and Power Plucker, he's one of our partners a long time. If you're butchering chickens, go to PowerPlucker.com. Get yourself some killing cones. Get yourself some knives. He sells really good quality carbon steel knives. Uh, he sells the Power Plucker, which is a drill bit with plucking fingers on it. Poor, our poor producer here is an animal lover in the way that can't I, imagine. I eat chicken. I just stood. Killing cone? Killing cone. Killing cone. Sorry, Leanna. It's okay. <laughs> they, uh, the plucker is a drill bit and it goes and whips off the feathers and it's the cheapest plucker you can find. And I have done with a couple friends 50 birds in a day. It, it, it's a lot of work. But uh, power plucker, uh, camp chef. I use a camp chef to boil the water. It's one of those outdoor grills. A couple big pots, thermometer in it. And we will actually have a class soon uh, available how to process chickens um, through the Homesteady website. But those are my tools. Those are my go-to. And there's a blog post on the website. Google uh, chicken processing or chicken butchering or don't Google it. Go to thisishomesteady.com <laughs> and search chicken processing or chicken butchering. Google it and go to someone else's web. No, go don't to do a that. blogger's website who's been doing this Ooh. for 10 years. So uh, we have a, I have an article where I talk about our whole process. So go check that one out. Okay. That was Leo. Thanks, Leo. Right? That was Lewis. Lewis, sorry. Leo was the last one. Leo oh, was goats. Gotcha. Two L's. All right, now we have a question from Matthew. He's in southeastern Wisconsin, and he basically he's downsizing from an over half acre where he was planning on having egg laying chickens uh, and add to his already large garden to a quarter acre. Um, and he asks, any suggestions on raising egg laying chickens with neighbors close by? Is that a pipe dream? And no. He no. says also he plans on using Austin's raised bed design for the new place. He's got his veggies in a five gallon bucket ready to move. At a boy. Cool. Uh, chickens with neighbors, no roosters. Share your eggs. Problem solved. If you if you share your eggs, people are gonna love you. Uh, if you don't have roosters, no one's gonna hear the chickens. No one's gonna be annoyed by the chickens. It's not worth it to bug your neighbors with a rooster, and if they, you know, bear, you know, not worrying about like zoning issues and all that other stuff, just share the eggs with your neighbors, drop off a, a farm fresh dozen, introduce yourself, get connected. If you treat your neighbors like that, <laughs> funny story, our closest neighbors are farmers. Across the street, there is an alpaca farm. Uh, I love my neighbors. 
their farm is completely different as is their entire lifestyle. So I am a pork farm, which sells bacon, which requires the killing of all my pigs. They are a fiber farm where everything lives for as long as they can keep it alive with as many things as they can do. And they don't eat meat. They are vegetarians. And I moved into town shooting trap with accountant Mike and making noise, shooting guns and bringing pigs on to be processed and shooting deer. And my poor neighbors who I really like were like, oh my, <laughs> it was a shock. But we've always been very cooperative with each other. When we were doing something that, you know, for example, one day we were out shooting trap and my neighbor came walking down and said, oh, what's scaring the alpacas? You know, and she didn't say you had to stop. She was just like, you know, it's bothering my animals. I was not, I just bought a property so I could go and shoot my guns, right? But I don't have to shoot them all day long. So we stopped. And for, for as long as we've been on this property, we've worked together. When there's a storm, we go check on each other. Uh, one day I was sitting at my computer and I'm, uh, I'm sitting at my computer looking out the window and all of a sudden going down the road, I see like 20 alpacas and they're marching down the road. And I thought, oh man, there must be like a parade going on. An alpaca parade. The alpaca parade. <laughs> and then I thought, wait, I live in the country. Why would there be a parade down my like road that no one is there? Sure enough, 20 alpacas were running down the road. Out of the alpaca farm. That's amazing. <laughs> and I, I was like, Kendra, there's an alpaca parade. <laughs> so we ran outside and we helped get the alpacas back. Uh, so we've helped our neighbors. We've been involved. So be a good neighbor. Don't go in with guns blazing. Like I, you know, arrive to your new home, introduce yourself, share your farm fresh eggs. If, if you can tell people aren't thrilled about the idea, assure them there will be not, there won't be noise won't be smelled because you're going to keep things nice and clean. And when you start sharing those farm fresh eggs, man, people come around. After you've shared a few dozen with your local neighbors and they're nice and happy, now you have some customers and you won't have problems, hopefully. Worst case scenario, put your chickens in a chicken tractor where nobody can see the chickens and put a nice daylight lamp on the inside of that thing or something and write rabbits on it. <laughs> the, I, I think the only thing I'll add on to this is I have seen on the internets Ooh. some very clever looking uh, like habitats almost I guess for chickens like where there is maybe a very space efficient area for them to to run around in and to eat in and then there's a there's some very clever designs out there is what I'm basically trying to say, you know? So if you're if you're moving into a smaller area, if you've got a quarter of an acre, that's fine. I agree. I think that's still enough room to do chickens. But maybe, maybe free-range chickens isn't necessarily going to work. So look into... Expand your horizons a little bit. Look into something like, is there some cool design that would allow for like multiple layers of chickens to sleep or something and then go out and eat and I don't really know what they do. But anyway, the point is, I've seen some very clever things out there. Look, look and see. Look and see what you can do. Brett suggests you write Fluffle inside instead of rabbits. Um, I like that. <laughs> A Fluffle can, of rabbits. Here so Matthew, Matt, one of our home study pioneers, I think, Right, Matt? 
Come on, buddy. Or future pioneer. Um, great video in the library, how to build a homesteady chicken tractor. So there's an option for you. All right. Just write fluffle inside. And just on one Brett just got in right now. Ooh, Red you guys Brett. put any thought into a live meetup? Yes. Wow, like in person. This is kind of like this is like testing the water. If we could get like twenty-five people to actually join a webinar, maybe someday a live meetup, I don't know, on the farm. Brett says in Rhode Island. In Rhode Island. Also nice. Um, yeah, someday. Someday, him, Brett. That was him fishing. And not catching anything. And not catching anything. Oh, this. <laughs> I got pictures. This. I caught fish. You're getting distracted. We're still live. I'm showing pictures. Oh. Anyways, go ahead. Okay. All right. So, yes. That's a yes. Maybe. There's someday. Thought. Thought. It'll take... Um, Years. Yeah. Once we got the webinar game down. And actually, our very last question... Is that yours or, or your son's? You can tell it's mine because it's like a, the size of my thumb. <laughs> that is the fish I caught, guys. It's, it's really like the small. <laughs> my son, every day, my six-year-old has caught the biggest fish. Crazy. I love it. Uh, and actually, our very last question also comes from Brett. Brett, our buddy Brett. Nice job. Says, last question of the night, Brett. Do you both know how to play dueling banjos? Verbal response is not accepted. <laughs> Uh, I didn't actually bring a an instrument. You have to go air banjo. That's not a banjo. <sighs> not ten people, guys. Ten people did not email. They wanted to hear the banjo. <laughs> So this episode is ending off the hook with no accountant Mike playing the banjo. Nay, 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 nix, nix, nix. Next time, guys, flood his inbox and you will hear some of our old Not Quite Bobby. That was the name of our band. <laughs> You'll hear some Not Quite Bobby music. So that's Cliffhanger, guys. Thank you guys so much. You awesome pioneers and friends of ours who joined us for this first live episode um, I'm gonna unmike un you guys for a second. Anybody want to say? Are we gonna cause uh, massive problems? We oh yeah, we are. No, right, 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 right. All right, ready, guys. You're all unmuted if you want to be. Shout out to the homesteady world. Oh, I muted mine. There we go. Who was that? You're muted. Hi, Katie. Thanks for joining us tonight, Katie. Thanks, guys. You echo. Who was that? Cameron. It's hard to hear you guys. Sorry, it's super quiet. You I'm echoing. You echo every time you talk. Oh, okay, I won't talk. Sorry, guys. Shout, any more shout outs? All right. That's it. We'll work out the details. <laughs> this was really fun, guys. I actually really enjoyed this. Yeah. So we will work on uh, making our setup work a little bit better. We have two better. computers and multiple cameras and also these microphones. We Are you ready for a, a brief... Um, oh, we're going to apparently just go a brief doing it behind the scenes sort of thing. Special thanks here. to our producer. There she is. With the computers. I exist. And the other computers... And more computers. And there there's a are. lot of board games, chocolate. some chocolate. Is that a frisbee? Yeah. <laughs> and a frisbee. 
<laughs> Guys, thanks for joining for our first ever live episode. And if you're watching or listening to the podcast afterward, big thanks for supporting our show. Thanks for being a part of Helping Homesteady. Two years, guys, this month. Two years Homesteady's been around. And we want to keep doing this forever. So We have a couple more shout-outs. Uh, David says I would, but I don't know how. Hey from Montana. That's M-O, right? M-O I think is... I think Montana's M-T. Yeah, M-T. Oh, M-O is Missouri. Like Missouri, yeah. I'm so sorry, Missouri. David. That's really embarrassing. Wow. <laughs> I'm not good at geography. What, what disrespect. <laughs> you didn't know it either. It's not really disrespect. I didn't know it. All right. Uh, the Shaw said, had a good time. Thanks, guys, from PA. PA. We love PA. Uh, Brett says, Thank, thanks, you guys, for putting this together. Brett, thanks for your help, man. Brett's our, uh, he's helping me out on the website. He's so a resident Brett. Googler. He's our resident Googler. Guys, thanks for being a part. Cameron, thanks for sh- reading some, uh, some questions on the air. Next time, we'll plan a few more from a couple uh, more people. And... Guys, everyone listening, thank you for supporting Homesteading in whatever ways you do. If you're a pioneer, you guys are amazing. You help keep the show going. Special thank you to our partners, Grow Journey, Premier One, and of course, all our other supporters, Power Plucker, Core Nutrition, um, rjsbfarm.com. Those guys are great. Uh, and most, most thanks to our fans. We've got, this last few weeks, we have had some incredible, um, what's the word? Uh, reviews in iTunes reviews in iTunes have been outstanding you guys are leaving five star reviews and they are so nice and I read every one of those reviews and I send the really good ones that mention account anybody who mentions account Mike I send to him so he gets to read them too Um, thanks for being a part guys this was really fun as most of you know if this is not your first episode this is not the way we usually do things around here uh, but we thought it would be really fun to normally kind of normally a we bit. edit a little bit. Just I bet you guys didn't realize that Austin actually like talks this much in circles all the time. I ramble. He That's really why does. I edit. Editing, man. My this will not be Kendra's favorite episode. She is the editor of the show, and uh, special thanks to my wife for pulling late night kid duty and uh, keeping our our the word insta studio quick studio insta studio it was yeah, this sure. is not our normal is studio thing? this pop is not our studio. Studio. pop-up studio I like pop-up that. studio sure. so uh guys give a shout out to our producer yay thanks leanna leanna you can hear leanna produced another episode of home study back a year ago in february you can listen to the story she produced all about her grandma and her dad her stepdad coming to uh, the united states and like five home study and uh, Captain Mike, man, I've never thanked you on the air, bro. We don't right. get enough time. To, this is my old best friend, and we don't get enough time to hang out as adults. So thanks for being a part of this, man. We are real adults. We're real adults. Adults. We are serious adults. I thought, yeah, we are serious adults. I have a business adults. plan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, with anyway, that. That's it. The road is rocky. Eat Rocky Road ice cream. Shut up. Oh, get it up. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
you get a whole lot of extra bonus content there. There's a library full of bonus videos and Pioneers only podcasts. If you've burned through all the episodes on iTunes and you're wondering what to do next, that's your answer. Thanks for listening, guys. Next episode coming out is our fencing instructional. But don't worry, there's going to be a lot of funny stories intermingled in how to properly do fencing. And we're going to be sharing some fencing fail stories. Hashtag fencing fail. If you have a story of fencing gone wrong, animals escaping, animals breaking into your garden or coops, uh, any story of a fencing fail, share it with everyone on next month's podcast. All you have to do is call this number, 657-223-3276, and leave a voicemail. I will not pick up the phone. You're not going to have to talk to anybody. It's a voicemail machine, and you leave the voicemail, and you could be on next month's episode of Home Study. So send in your fencing fail stories. I know you have them. Anyone else have a hashtag alpaca parade? All right, I'll talk to you guys next month.